I want to talk about, after all that, and convincing you about theology, <laughs> I want to say, I want to talk about this, moving from the intellect to intimacy with the Word of God. Would you turn in your Bible to Song of Songs? As you're going, somebody tell me what, it, what that book's after. What's the book right before Song of Songs? Anybody? Anybody? You don't get bonus points in heaven, you just... No, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, that's right. What's right after Song of Songs? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's Isaiah. So there you go. I told you where to go in your Bible. I want to just share with you just a couple verses that are huge, and I'm in right now. I'm biased, but I think it's important for us right now where we are as we're about to lean into the Word in a powerful way because I want you... Listen, the Bible did not say... Jesus did not say, go ye therefore make theologians. He didn't say it. Go ye therefore in all nations and make meetings. Go ye therefore in all and make doctrine. That's, that's what he said. He said make disciples. And so I want, as we go deep, you can go deep in the word and not lose that. You don't have to be fearful you're going to turn into something or we're going to turn all these youth into brainiacs of, and they won't care about God. That doesn't have to happen if we're rooted in what I'm about to share here in about five to ten minutes. And it's this. The, the most wise man supernaturally that was ever on the planet besides Jesus was the man Solomon. Ask anything you want. Give me wisdom. Remember? You all know the story. A download of supernatural Yahweh kind of wisdom was released into a human being. That human being wrote three books. He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. And when I say he wrote, the better way is they were, his sayings were collected. But he, his stuff's in those books. He, Solomon, in 1 Kings 4.32, can you see this verse up here? Spoke 3,000 proverbs. They counted them. 3,000 proverbs, which are wise sayings. And he wrote 1,005 songs. 1,005 songs came up out of a man abiding in the wisdom of God that was released, it, it supernaturally was coming up out of him. The three books, Proverbs talks about wisdom in this life. Ecclesiastes, you're ever in a bad, funky mood, just go. Ecclesiastes talks about the futility of life, meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless except God right at the end. And then Song of Songs talks about that love is the point of life. The Song of Songs is the number one. Okay, so every week, you know, here comes Casey Kasem. Does anybody know that name? Or I just showed my age? Did I just show my age? And he's doing the top count, countdown 1,005 songs of the week. And songs are moving on the chart that Solomon wrote, all of them, because he's wise. But number one again this week is the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs is the top of the charts. Here we are again. This is the greatest song ever written on planet earth it's the bizarrest if you don't have some of this background you're going to come to this book and you're going to go this is strange body parts weirdness and they're running around and trying to and then body parts again and then weirdness and their <laughs> gardens and stones and smells and body parts anybody read song of songs it's very strange and it came out from Yahweh's vessel of the wisdom of God. And I'm begging, youth out there, I know you're watching me, and youth in this room, uh, even though you're in puberty, did I, should I say that word outside? Uh, public, don't fear the book of Song of Songs. It's a gift to your heart. 
It's a gift to you. Watchman Nee is the first book I read. He wrote a, a commentary on Song of Songs. Madame Guyon wrote a stunning one. Um, Hudson Taylor wrote another, and there's been a few contemporary teachers that have jumped on that, very few, that have jumped on that bag wagon and dug in on this book. But it's a gift to us, guys. It's the greatest song that was ever given. So there's the Holy of Holies, there's the King of Kings, there's the Lord of Lords, and there's the, it's eight chapters. The Song of Songs. You should read it, read it slow, and ask the Holy Spirit and get a few fathers in the faith that can help you through it. I'm back on it. I've done it multiple times, trips to it. This is the book that has those verses like, you remember, he's brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. Refresh me with raisins and apples because I'm sick with love. It's so, you remember those covers? We've wrote songs about those kind of things. It'll talk at the end of the book that love is as strong as, stronger than death, as jealous as the grave. It's fire. There's so many great verses that you've heard that you might not have even known that have been there, that he's fairer than 10,000. It's a beautiful book. And it's a book that can be read at multiple levels. It really can. It can be about human love. It really can. There's amazing, and a lot of people have done, some marriage guys have done great stuff on that. But one of the great ways to read it is through a Christological lens of Christ and the bride. It's very biblical to do that, and it's deep. And so I wanted to encourage you tonight with the first five verses that I can't get off of. I've been on for about five to ten days. I'm trying to read the whole thing. I've read it a lot. But I can't get off these first five verses. I can't get off the first sentence. The lead verse out from the song has just stunned my soul, and I want to minister to you for just a little bit. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, verse 1, verse 2, she says, this woman, then, by the way, context, this is Solomon, and what's called the Shulamite woman, and a bunch of people around her, okay? And so there's literal people in history that he's writing this about. It's, it's a teaching about human love, but it's also prophetic about Christ and the church. So in this sense, Solomon would stand as Jesus, and the Shulamite woman would stand as the bride of Christ. And so here we go. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. First line, this song ain't warming up. It's right at it. Let him kiss me, greatest song ever written, with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. And there may not be many wine connoisseurs in here, but wine's good. It says in Psalm 63, wine makes the heart glad. Okay, he means it in the positive way. Wine, it's better than the best things of life, your love your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name, this is what it is to me. She, she's saying about Solomon, your name is like oil, the soothing, good fragrance, blessing poured out. Therefore, the virgins love you. I get it. I get why women love you, Solomon. I get it. So he, she says, draw, the, draw me after you. Let us run and let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Everyone loves you because you're amazing. And then last, verse five. I love this and I want to teach on it, but it's not the point tonight. But she says, I am very dark, but I'm lovely. I'm very dark. And she'll talk more about it in the book. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, which were dark. She said, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. This is stunning. Again, let me do one moment on it. To know your sin and to know your depravity, and yet at the same time know 
that you're loved beyond loved. (laughs) It takes something to do that. It really takes the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit because the pendulum wants to go one way or the other. Oh my gosh, I stink. I'm a sinner and you live in condemnation. You don't know you're lovely. Or to get over here, I'm lovely and I've seen movements do this and they almost start ignoring that they have some darkness and some sin. That's not good either. It's both. She says, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. And then develops that theme through the deal. And you need to know it. You can walk in conviction from the Spirit about your maturation and sanctification while at the same time going, oh my God, I'm gorgeous. I'm beautiful. I'm loved. And it can take you really deep. But tonight, all I wanted to talk to you about was this one. The first line that's striking. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. This metaphorically, I believe, points to an intimate interaction with the word of God from his mouth. There's actually been some teachers, Count Zinzendorf, my favorite, one of my favorite guys with the Mormon kind of got in trouble with some of the stuff because they started talking about it. Even out of IHOP, they got in trouble a little bit because they were talking about Jesus being their boyfriend and asking, you know, wanting him to kiss and about intimacy. And it wasn't weird or physical or sexual in any kind of way, but it got a little bit weird with the language. And some of the heresy hunters caught them and they were actually kind of right. They're like, actually, get the metaphor right. This is, I believe, pointing to the Lord kissing us. What comes out is his word. His word touching our soul in a way that's intimate. Listen, that's intimate is a touch of intimacy because the second person of the triune God is the word of God. That's unbelievable. Everything was made by his word. I mean, the most powerful things on the planet are words. And God, the second person, he is word, and that's how he creates things. And so to be touched in your inner man by a word from the Lord is different than you memorize seven principles on a teaching of how you can act better as a Christian. It's way different. There's a way to interact with the word of God to where the thing becomes an interaction of intimacy that's driving your heart up higher in him and you begin to go, oh my God, your love is better than wine. Now I want my young youth and people that will watch this and we're going to put this down, but to please lean in on this thing because I'm praying this prayer over and over and over. I'm a Lord's Prayer guy, but I, I take Bible verses and I'm on this one right now. I'm every day. I woke up this morning, Lord, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Touch my little weary soul. I don't know about you, but I wake up in different moods. I wish it was the same mood every day. It's just not. Some days I wake up and I am ready to conquer the world. And some days I wake up and I'm like, this morning, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the math on 50 things that are wrong. And I feel down. What I need is not a motivational sermon. I need a touch. I need a, I need a touch from the mouth of the Lord that hits my soul and releases that intimacy and that oil, if you will, of his presence. So this, I believe, speaks metaphorically, the love is better than wine, of the intoxicating delight of the love of God. The problem with religion ought to religion. And this is the problem with prayer. Prayer has been hijacked by the devil. He's got a theology on prayer. It isn't that most people are against prayer. Almost no believers against prayer. What's happened in prayer or the cultures of prayer is it's been hijacked by the devil into a realm of something I ought to do. 
And when that ought to happens and there's no touch of the presence of God, it begins to pull from your soul. And your soul only has so much energy and you stink at praying. And so it turns us into slaves and orphans and laborers to where we begin to disdain prayer. It's like this junk on us that we're like, we don't, it's what's happening in the body of Christ. Why are prayer meetings not populated? It's because it's not a joy. I think God wants us to do what's joyful, by the way. I don't think he's anti-joy. Religion is anti-joy. The Lord is, he's pro big joy, big satisfaction, off the chart joy, love. He wants you going deep. He doesn't want you going just sacrifice. In fact, following Jesus and doing martyrdom should come out of passion. I think Stephen was actually satiated with, was intoxicated with the love of God while stones were killing his body. Love is what, I don't, we're going to do this on another deal in the commands, one of the modules, but we want to see the resurrection and revival of love-motivated holiness. You can do better than, I shouldn't touch that, do that, look at that, because that's what believers, they don't do that. That's never going to free you. <laughs> What's going to free you is when your appetites change and you want him more than you want that. Does everybody know that? That I love him, the spirit so touched me because many people are constraining and not doing something and they're still doing it in their heart. That's why Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Amy and I were just talking about. The Sermon, who was it that said it, Amy, about the Sermon on the Mount? It was given to, for the impossible. Yeah, utmost for the highest. He was, uh, he was talking in one of his devotions. The Sermon on the Mount should drive you insane if you really read it. Because it takes you to the point that you could never do it. You can't do it without transformation. And this is what I think is true for this. We need to lean in and think within, listen, think within a love culture how we're operating in our faith. Think within, some will call it a bridal paradigm. I don't care. Father, son, it doesn't matter. It means love. If you don't approach prayer, the word of God, from a love and I want more, I want intoxicated with this stuff, I want to be filled with it, then I don't think you're going to endure very long and you definitely won't endure pain because this is a war zone and you and I all need a kiss from his mouth. So Sam, let me just get, I want to have a little time to minister to you, but please let me unpack this just a minute. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about what I've just done with the very verse that's telling us to do it. I, I'm, Lord, Kiss me. Jesus, Holy Spirit, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. I'm praying for a, a fresh word from you that would intimately touch my inner man that immediately begins to drive away the dark clouds. I don't want to just feel good. I want to be in an intimate interaction with you. So I'm slowly reading the song. Bring me into your inner chambers. That, that's the inner chambers of the king that he only takes a bride into. Draw me, and then I'll run after you. I'm, when he touches my heart, so this happened, and I've said this story before, and pardon me for repeating myself, but when Josh, we just celebrated Josh's year of Perthes, of being on the crutches and doing that kind of stuff, and when we first started, he was limping, and we are doing MRIs, we are going to doctors, it was like, it was just, I have a, I have a beautiful mind, that's a torment to my life. 
and I'm thinking about 75 options of what this is. And before I knew what it was, I got peace. And the only way I got peace is, dri- listen, driving down Harry Street from Oliver to Harry going east, the Lord Jesus kissed me with his word. And this was the kiss. If this is me, does it change things? If this is me, this thing in Joshua's life, does it change things? I'm telling you, it was like an intimate touch hit my soul. Immediate joy and peace and the anxiety and fear that was tormenting me was driven away. Now, I need you to know this. I moved away from that intimate moment with him multiple times, and he would whisper it back to me. Now I'm whispering it again. I can feel a little bit of the the juice of it. That was a kiss from the Lord where I didn't face this thing with the, oh, as much. Okay, I want to be real. But he began by a touch of a word. He's done it with scriptures and done it with whispers of phrases like that. Because to me, not only the truth, if this is him, oh, we got a wild ride ahead that's got meaning and purpose, you know? But it began to give me comfort because he's driving it. The devil torments me with a hellish torment when I think it's a random process that I don't know where this is going. I know better with the Bible, but I couldn't remember it. Have you ever done that? I've gone amnesiac on what I knew. But then he kisses me with a fresh little word. I've had this happen hundreds of times in my life. I'm a, a lot of time when we'll go through changes, let me end with this. I'll, I'll ask a lot of people, hey, what do you, there is nothing I love better on planet earth than a fresh word from the Lord. I just love it. I'm an addict. I grew up an addict on the Bible, but I, and he gives it through that sometimes, but I love it. I had um, Melissa Fleur, uh, she, she was calling me this week, and she'd had three dreams about me over three years, and they, some of them were really challenging, but it was powerful, and it was about my voice, all of them, and it was this phrase, the, she, the Lord said, when can you hear his voice? And she said, she immediately knew, it's when Sam is in humility and brokenness. His voice is loudest when he's in humility and brokenness and longing for the return of Jesus. She was thinking back about her five years of experience with me. And as I, went, as I read that phrase, I went, oh, it touched my heart with a kiss of intimacy and made me stop wiggling and resisting some challenging things that are going on around me right now. Because I know that the shepherd is driving me into a place of humility and brokenness. Does that make sense? And so I want to encourage you, and I'm talking prophetic there, but I want to encourage you with your Bible to do more than to go get information. I know we always say this, but... Read it, asking him, touch my heart. Release an intimate moment out of Mark 13. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. Grab a, and let that hit my heart and begin to release the oil of healing in my life. Does this make sense? As we're heading back in, we're heading into a time of probably just anchoring a little deeper in the word and trying to do that for city, for here. Um, I just want everybody to know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I want to go to deeper intimacy with Jesus. I'm not trying to go to the theology tank. I want to go into deeper intimacy. And I think you can do that with your Bible going slow. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Uh, whatever that was, I'm asking, sow it into our hearts. I pray that I would be a contagion, 
an accelerant, a piece of salt for people's souls to long for fresh, fresh word from you. So many so bored for so long because they haven't had that touch of intimacy of words from your mouth. You're giving them, but we got to receive them. So I'm just praying. I'm asking in this room for a revival of longing for fresh word from your mouth. I pray for an experience, literally the experience, that love, your love is better than wine. Your love's better than any life achievement or gift. So Lord, we thank you that you're doing this now in this day in Jesus' name. Amen.